welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 284. Thanks for listening. That's right, we're back in our home. It's like coming home from a vacation. We've been uh, spending the month over there, not in France or the Caribbean. We've been over in, in television land for the last month, and now we're home again in our Atari 2600. The lawn needs to be mowed. There's a bunch of mail in the mailbox. There's a slightly unpleasant odor in the kitchen because we forgot to take the garbage out before we left. But all in all, it's nice to be home. I hope you're all doing well. Um, Hope you didn't miss me too much. This is the first uh, time that there's been a a week gap, except for one time, between episodes. So I I hope you uh, got through the gap okay. Uh, Of course, that gap consisted of the uh, American 4th of July weekend, you know, Independence Day, which for the rest of the world is just the 4th of July. I hope you had a nice time. hope you had a nice uh, weekend doing whatever it is you wanted to do for that weekend. One of the things you could have done, I believe as of July 5th, is listen to me on another podcast. Since I talked to you last, I was a guest on Champa and Klein, the Airwolf years. I was thrilled to go over there and hang out for a bit. They have been doing an episode-by-episode review of the 1980s helicopter adventure show, Airwolf. And they invited me over to talk about a season two episode, I think, called HX1. Uh, So that was a lot of fun. Uh, I thank them for having me over. And uh, I encourage you to all go listen not just to that episode, although you should. Uh, It was a a rockin' good time. But you should listen to all their episodes. Uh, They've also done... Uh, you know, they're in season two of Airwolf now, but they've also done uh, MacGyver, Knight Rider. I assume they'll keep doing 80s TV uh, once Airwolf is done in a couple more seasons. Even if you don't, you know, give a crap about 80s TV, they're just fun to listen to. Uh, they're, good, they're good dudes, so go check them out. And thanks to them again for having me over. Oh, I'm not sure I said it, but I think the episode, uh, I don't know the episode number, uh, the Airwolf years, but I think the episode dropped on July 5th, uh, is what I was told. Um, full disclosure, I'm recording this part of the show before uh, the July 4th weekend, so the episode isn't out yet, so I don't know for sure, but I think it dropped on July 5th, if you want to go look for that. Got a little bit of feedback from Patreon supporters Michael Tyler and Jason Schiffman regarding episode 283, Television Month, Ron Deadly Discs. Michael said, great story as always. Thank you, Michael. My next game I plan to play is Tron Evolution on PS Now. Uh, I am not familiar with Tron Evolution. I think I said in the episode I really haven't played any of the Tron games other than Deadly Discs. So uh, hopefully, Michael, you'll report back to us. Jason Schiffman said, amazing. Another fantastic episode. Everything was spot on and the future of podcasting has been renewed. Thank you for that, Jason even if it is a little hyperbolic. I'll take it anyway. Question! What does Jason say? He says stuff! What does Jason say? Lots of stuff! What does Jason say? Or maybe a little stuff! What does Jason say? He says stuff! Jason says stuff in Atari Bytes exclusive! The past period since the last episode has been a Jason says a lot of stuff era, so let's get right into it. Dear Atari Bytes, Jason wasn't messing around this time. He launched right into uh, his story for uh, inspired by this week's game, Zaxxon. Spoiler, 
we're playing Zaxxon this week. Uh, so here we go. The Zero Hour approaches. So many years of isometric simulator training has supposedly prepared me. Prepared me? For what? Nobody has ever returned from a battle on this heavily armed space fortress. I have seen the videos of my predecessors. They never last more than a few seconds. It's just the realm of impossibility. Rockets coming from all angles, dogfights with alien marauders, and thick walls all along your path with little room for error. Worst of all, fuel is limited. You literally need to steal fuel from your enemy, since the ships have limited storage due to issues with maneuverability and weight. I have basically accepted that this is a suicide mission. My name is John Zax, and I am probably not going to see Earth again. But we all have a job to do, and unfortunately mine involves attacking an unstoppable alien army. I pour myself a drink. Well, quite a few, actually. Against regulations? Who cares? Please court-martial me. Compared to what is waiting for me, it would certainly be an improvement. One more shot of liquid courage, and I light off my engines. Although my life is over, I did take a little insurance, a little something that those damn reptilians will just love. Hidden under my seat is a nuclear warhead set to explode right in the middle of my mission. I'm not coming back. At least those bastards can learn that earthlings are brave, albeit outmanned, or perhaps outlizarded, and outgunned. My ship begins its launch sequence. The walls of the fortress are staring at me with cold indifference. A horrendous sound of metal twisting and tearing startles me. The hull of the ship begins to tear. Some moron left the tie-downs on my ship. My nuclear warhead tumbles out of my ship through the tattered hull, and I am powerless to stop it. I am now flying through space, directly at the immense fortress without the best means to destroy it. I fly into the belly of the beast. I just left a timed megaton explosive with all my friends and loved ones. This is truly the worst-case scenario. I actually fare much better against the enemy than I expected. I shoot, I avoid missiles and blast alien ships to pieces with amazing proficiency. The liquor is starting to kick in. My judgment begins to fail me. I lose control and crash my ship somewhere along the bottom of the fortress. Strapped into my grounded, twisted wreck of a ship, I sit, helplessly. A blinding flash of light behind me ripples through space. Earth's largest defense ship is little more than cosmic dust. A reptilian giant appears in front of my ship, using some sort of advanced technology. His clicks and chirps are translated to my language. Thanks for assuring our victory. You are truly a great human. Your gift to our empire shall be well rewarded. He effortlessly picks up my ship and brings me down to an inner sanctum. The pressure cracks my cockpit, and surprisingly, there is oxygen for, for me to breathe. My captor pulls me out of the wreckage and flings the remains of my ship across the room. Crimson leviathans crawl in front of us, tongues clicking and razor-sharp teeth begin to gnash and, and chatter. The giant says one last thing. You will be my children's first live meal, an honor that only the finest examples of your race could be considered for. I am tossed to them effortlessly. My face is splashed with my own blood and innards. The pain is beyond imagination. I pray for death. One final agony as my head is severed. As my life ends, I hear my captor's laughter. Safe travels, Zax. Your contribution will never be forgotten. I am the man responsible for the end of times. Within hours, billions of people will face a similar fate. <laughs> wow. On that cheery note, I don't even know what to say to that, except that, you know, I'm sorry that uh, Mr. Zax died, but on the other hand, I am impressed that he was able to uh, basically record a journal entry as his head was being severed. So kudos for that, dead guy. All right. Well, let's get on Jason's uh, critiques for this week. 
Dear Atari Bites, another fantastic episode. Glad Henry's recovering, and I did enjoy your reading my thoughts on Rocket Guy and the comparison. To clarify, I did not draw any parallels between myself and Rocket Guy. That was done by a fan. Uh, yeah, I think you're correct, actually. Someone else had mentioned, uh, I think, basically just that we used to have uh, Mad Mike Hughes segments, and now we have Jason Says Stuff. Jason continues, I, I was just giving my thoughts, my little thoughts on the matter. Rocket Guy was brave. Launching yourself in a homemade rocket demands a bravery that I sadly do not have. Me too. It also requires um, certain skills that I don't have. Jason says, I think the addition of Jason Says Stuff is the best fit for the show. I am video game and computer obsessed, and I am more fun than a room full of video games at right angles. Ooh, boy, Jason, I don't know about that. I can literally feel demand for Atari Bytes growing. You can see it on the faces of people when you walk down any street in America. The biters are becoming legion, and eventually they may consume us. I hope you don't mean the same way that the lizard people in your story consumed us. Unless we give them the entertainment that they demand from us. My one complaint? Here we go. There always has to be one, right, Jason? That little doo-wop moment in Tron Deadly Discs episode was disgusting. Oh, you mean this? A strike! Rolling down the alley with pretty playful Sally. A dog wailing while getting a pus-filled sore lanced at a vet's office would be more musical than that crusty box of smashed and diseased cow livers. Outside of that, the show was amazing. Oh, and then he wants to know if there were any inroads into us getting puppets. He had, I don't know if I read it on the show, um, but he had observed that, let's see if I can find the comment now. He had uh, messaged me one day and, and basically asking to send in the puppets. Uh, no, to answer your question, Jason, I do not have Atari Bytes puppets. That said, uh, I know that there are very talented people who make puppets uh, among my nerddoms is uh, Muppets. I'm a, a Muppets fan. And I, I've seen on social media uh, that there are groups of people who are really talented at making replicas of the iconic Muppets, uh, as well as people who make, obviously, other kind of puppets and things, too. So if anyone out there would like to make a, a puppet replica of me, I would not be opposed. Now, this is an audio podcast, so that may uh, limit the appeal of a puppet me, but, uh, you know, I could always do a video. Or if you, if you guys want to make a, a puppet Atari Bytes, uh, your, your puppet interpretation of an Atari Bytes episode and send us the video to share, that would be kind of cool. So, Jason, we'll see what happens. Let's see. I think he also commented on the Patreon page about the uh, most recent episode, the Tron episode. Amazing. Another fantastic episode. Everything was spot on and the future of podcasting has been renewed. Thank you for that, Jason. Um, and with that, I think it's time that we ask once again... The burning question. Question! What does Jason say? He says stuff! What does Jason say? What's a stuff? What does Jason say? Or maybe a little stuff! What does Jason say? He says stuff! Jason says stuff in the Dory Bites exclusive! Alright, well, let's move on to this week's game. This week's game is... This is it. We're going in after Zaxxon. The most powerful force in space. It's going to try to blow us away. Close. Gotta stay low. Zaxxon, the three-dimensional arcade sensation, is now a home video sensation. Now, to evade those enemy fighters and go face-to-face -face with Zaxxon itself. No one has ever gotten this far before. 
Attack! Play Zaxxon on your ColecoVision, Atari VCS, or in television video game system. Zaxxon, it'll blow you away. Zaxxon from Sega, 1982. We'll get into it, I guess, but my sense is that while Zaxxon is certainly an arcade name that I know, although I can't for the life of me ever remember playing it, uh, it's one of those names that you hear, I think, when people talked about arcade games from back in the day. My sense from people is that the port, uh, the, the home port, not so great, relatively speaking. And I, after having played it, I think I kind of have to agree. But we'll get there in a second. Zaxxon is for use with the Atari 2600 video computer system and Sears Video Arcade. It's for one or two players for color of black and white TV. You can select from four skill levels. Coleco Zaxxon is a stunning 3D space game that takes you across alien asteroid fortresses on a special mission. The evil robot Zaxxon and its fierce armies have conquered an asteroid belt. You must stop... Hold on. Conquered an asteroid belt? Isn't an asteroid belt just a big, you know, conglomeration of space rocks? How do you conquer it exactly? And what the hell do you do with it? Anyway, you must stop them. Why do we care? Anyway, before they enslave the entire galaxy, I guess with their big conglomeration of space rocks? Okay, uh, I'm just the grunt. I just do what I'm told, I guess. Pass the barrier on the first asteroid, then drive to the enemy surface, evade fire from gun turrets, and, ro- and, and MOBOTS. The thing I'm reading here says MOBOTS. M-O-B-O-T-S. As you search for the robot warrior, once you successfully cross the asteroid fortress, you must fly through deep space. Avoid the enemy squadron, combing the galaxy in search of your fighter. Can you defeat the evil Zaxxon? So, we have to make sure our VCS is connected. Make sure you plugged in the controller, insert the cartridge, hold the joystick so that the red button is in the upper left-hand corner. For one-player game, use the left controller for a two-player game. Uh, player one uses the left, player two uses the right. You know what? You do you. You guys want to mix it up? Go for it. Push the control stick, control stick away from you to make your fighter move down. Push the, pull the control stick toward you to make the fire, fighter move up. So I guess it, it simulates actually flying a plane a bit more that way. Push the control stick away from you to the right or left to move your fighter down right or down left. Push the control stick toward you and to the right or left to make your fighter move up right or left. Push the control stick left or right to make your fighter move left or right. Your fighter approaches Zaxxon's first asteroid base. Fly high to avoid crashing into the first wall. Then swoop down to attack enemy targets. Watch out for return fire from turrets and dodger guns, which I never saw in my experience. I guess I can get into it now. So I was playing today on a with a cartridge. I picked up a cartridge somewhere, and it works. But I, after having played with it a little bit today, I suspect it does not work completely because hit detection was really weird. And I don't just mean when I was missing things because I'm admittedly I'm not great at these games. But there were things that I hit dead on that were not exploding, and there were times when I am pretty certain. Nothing happened to me, but I still exploded. So, uh, I, I don't know. The most frustrating part for me, and the thing that makes me wonder about this particular cartridge that I had, was step three, according to the manual, running out of fuel. Careful, your fighter guzzles fuel as you zoom over Zaxxon's territory. Keep an eye on your fuel gauge, fire the fuel tanks to fill up, then slip over the gap in the wall at the end of the asteroid base and prepare for battle in space. So this is the part where I really know there's something weird going on here. Because there is a fuel gauge at the bottom of the screen, and you can see that it's going down as you're playing. And I would hit the fuel tanks on the enemy base dead on, and nothing would happen. In fact, the only thing I could blow up were the uh, the fighter jet things in space. And that part of the game worked okay. 
I wasn't great at it, but I haven't played it very much. But I could not destroy anything else, and I could not make the fuel tank refill. So I lost a lot of lives just because I ran out of fuel. Uh, so that was frustrating. Attack in space. You've made it past Zaxxon's first ground force. Now try your skill against Zaxxon's planes in space. They can dive at you from above, below, or hit you head-on. Eliminate as many planes as you can in this sudden attack. It takes several hits to eliminate Zaxxon's missile. Skill level 1, 3 hits, all the way up to skill level 4, where it takes 6 hits. Once you've gone past the robot Zaxxon, another asteroid challenges your skill and coordination. Then it's back into deep space to confront another wave of enemy fighters. Keep defending the universe until you run out of fighters. To replay the game option that you have been playing, press reset. To select another game option, press game select, and then press reset. Point values. Range anywhere from 200 points for an enemy plane, which as I said was the only part of the game for me that felt like it was actually working, all the way up to 5,000 points for destroying the robot Zaxxon. Mobots, which on screen, now I'm looking at it, kind of look like uh, muffins. Maybe I was just hungry. I don't know. But they're worth 400 points. Each player receives five fighters per game. You receive a bonus fighter if your score reaches 10,000 points. Good luck with that. Uh, there's a warranty, but it's invalid if the damage or defect is caused by accident, act of God, consumer abu uh, abuse, unauthorized alteration, or repair, vandalism, or misuse. There you go. And that is how you play Zaxxon from Sega originally, I believe, uh, from Coleco for the home port, so they are to blame for this. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast. All about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K, podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. Zaxxon is an isometric shooter arcade game developed and released by Sega in 1981. Japanese electronics company... Ikegami, Tushu Shushinki, I'm sure I butchered that, my apologies, is also credited for having worked on the development of the game. Among the platforms, it's an arcade game, of course, first of all, ColecoVision, Coleco Atom, MSX, Atari 2600, Atari 8-bit, SG-1000, Apple II, and television. Uh, man, remember the Apple IIs? Weren't we all so excited when the Apple II computer came out? Anyway, uh, in television, IBM PC, TRS-80, TRS-80 Color, Computer, ZX Spectrum. Huh, maybe I'll do uh, Zaxxon for next year's Intellivision Month. It was originally released December 26, 1981, which seems odd. I don't know why you wouldn't try to get it out before Christmas. Unless maybe you're thinking, okay, we won't have it out in time for Santa to bring it, but maybe all these kids who get uh, money from their grandma for Christmas will go buy it then, afterwards? I don't know. Zaxxon was the first game to employ axonometric projection which lent its name to the game Axon from Axonometric Projection. All right. This type of projection is isometric projection. The effect simulates three dimensions from a third-person viewpoint. It was also the first arcade game to be advertised on TV, with a commercial produced by Paramount Pictures for $150,000. It 
The game was a critical and commercial success upon release, becoming one of the top five highest grossing arcade games of 82. Sega followed it with the arcade sequel Super Zaxxon in 82, and the isometric platformer Congo Bongo in 83. Congo Bongo, my uh, opinion, way more fun. The Atari 2600 and television port used a third-person behind-the-ship perspective instead of the isometric graphics of the other versions. So, as I said, it was a big hit in the U.S. in the arcades, not as successful in Japan, did not appear in the annual Game Machine list of top 20 highest-grossing arcade games in 81 or 82. Game Machine later listed Zaxxon in their June 1, 83 issue as the 8th top-grossing table arcade cabinet of the month. Home ports were commercially successful in North America and Europe. It ranked 4th on two computing list of top Apple II games as of late 1985. U.S. Gold's home computer version of Zaxxon was ranked number two on the UK software sales chart in 85. Video games in 83 called the ColecoVision version of Zaxxon a coup for this new system. Video Magazine praised it in the Arcade Alley column uh, as one of the most thrilling games available. The only serious criticism of the arcade original was that many players felt they needed flying lessons to have even a ghost of a chance of performing well. Softline in 83 called the Atari 8-bit version a superb three-dimensional computer game. Not since Choplifter has a game look so impressive. At the 84 Archie Awards, the dedicated console version was awarded Standalone Game of the Year. Zaxxon is a bonus game in the Sega Genesis Collection for the PlayStation 2, an unlockable arcade game in Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection for the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. The arcade version was released on the Wii Virtual Console in Japan in 2009, the PAL region on March 5, 2010, and North America in t- also in 2010. There was an arcade sequel, Super Zaxxon, in 82, in 1987, Zaxxon 3D was released for the Master System, and it uses 3D glasses. Zaxxon's Mother Base 2000 was released in 1995, and is the first Zaxxon game to incorporate polygon graphics. Zaxxon Escape was released in 2012 for iOS and Android, criticized for having little resemblance to the original. There was also a Milton Bradley board game in 82, and in Friday the 13th, the final chapter in 84, the character Tommy Jarvis, played by Corey Feldman, plays Zaxxon during his introduction. HonestGamers.com says that Zaxxon might not go down in history as one of the all-time great games or, any, or anything like that, but was unique in its day. They do criticize the fact that uh, it's hard as hell to figure out where your ship is height-wise as compared to enemies. After a while, I found myself flying as high as I could in order to avoid all but the small airships that seem to be only high-flying foes. If you stay high, you'll dodge walls in most foes, but eventually run out of fuel and lose a life. You're constantly moving higher to dodge walls and then descending to wipe out tanks to increase your lifespan. Zaxxon was a heralded game when it came out and deserves its share of respect for how it implemented 3D graphics into the standard old-school arcade shooter format. This port does not deserve such respect. The limited hardware of the 2600 doomed the project from the beginning. The WordPress blog I Play All the Games says that Zaxxon by Sega is a fantastic arcade shooter, but then observes what's good about the port. Although there are many great ports for all kinds of systems, the Coleco version is not one of them. There's no isometric view. You're behind your ship. Guessing the correct height is a pain. There's no giant robot. What's good about it is the controls are responsive, I guess, and the sound effects pack a punch, but everything else is infuriating. The 2600 wasn't a powerhouse, but damn it, the TRS-80 version is miles better. Woodrain Wonderland observes that a lot of classic game fans won't like to hear this, but I really don't like the original Zaxxon very much. The scrolling isometric playfield and colorful detailed graphics were revolutionary, but it was unnecessarily difficult. It doesn't really bother me that Coleco's take on Zaxxon only bears the most rudimentary resemblance to its source material, although Coleco has been accused of half-assing their Atari 2600 efforts in order to make the Coleco vision look better, completely unnecessary considering how much more powerful the CV was, 
If anything, they went above and beyond to provide as much of a Zaxxon-like experience on the VCS as possible. While not without its share of challenge, this 2600 Zaxxon features a difficulty range that allows for actual enjoyment. It isn't the best game ever, but it's a respectable effort as a standalone game and the best version of the original possible for the time and the hardware at hand. Grade C. Alright, well, after the break, Zaxxon, on, Zaxxon, off. Zaxxon, off. The Zaxxer. bonus in today's field report because I liked you guys not only do you get the game you get this annoying sort of staticky background hum too two for the price of one you're welcome all right we're playing Zaxxon uh, the score on the screen of course is zero because I haven't started the score at the end of the game will also be pretty close to zero so here we go Alright, there's my ship. We got my five lives, my fuel. Hey, I didn't tell you to start going. Pulling back on the joystick. There's a thing that it... Oh, I didn't go through the little hole. It hates it when you do that. Or don't do that. I just realized I didn't turn the TV down. Hopefully you can hear me okay. And I should stop talking and actually start playing. Now, all these different objects, these green cylinder things, I think, are the fuel tanks, but if you shoot them, nothing happens. Shoot the muffin-looking things, nothing happens. The locks, nothing. Your little alien head, nothing happens. I, I think if you shoot them, they go red. Yeah, it does kind of look like that, though. That's a good point, Henry. Yeah. And I died for some reason. I don't know why. I think, not to make excuses, the only things that I can actually shoot in this game that actually do anything are this little V-shaped fighter jet things. I suspect there might be a hit detection problem with this cartridge, because I am actually playing on a cartridge today. works fine, relatively. I'm just not very good at it. The space battle part isn't so bad. It's kind of fun. But that stuff over the enemy base thing, that was kind of worthless. Now here we go again. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. I know I died, but I don't know why I died. Why did I die, Henry? Tell me, why did I die? <sighs> That's so frustrating. Uh, I'll have more to say. Back to you in the studio. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games, which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. 
You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's X-E-G-S, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, let's take a break from you listening to me talk so that you can listen to me talk. Hell's Serial, Very Short Stories Fortified with Essential Syllables is the new short story collection from, well, me. Every box, or book, is chock full of bite-sized stories in every genre from sci-fi to fantasy to literary fiction to cheesy spy stories and everything in between. Zombies in Love, Twisted Car Races, and the aforementioned Devilish Breakfast Food are just some of the tasty bites you'll find. Toy surprises? You bet. How about social commentary and the meaning of life? Beats a decoder ring any day. With both funny stuff and drama, Hell's Cereal gives you the marshmallows and the toasted oat flakes. Oh, and words. Lots of those, too. Pick up Hell's Cereal, very short stories fortified with essential syllables, wherever you like to get your books. Not cereal. Here's the thing about Zaxxon from the 2600. Like I said before, I don't remember playing Zaxxon in the arcade, although I'm sure I did. But I found my experience with the port not frustrating so much as a letdown. I also was not impressed with the uh, the 3D thing or non-3D thing or non-isometric or whatever they were doing with this port. Uh, I can imagine in my mind's eye what it might have looked like in the arcade. And it was probably pretty cool in 1982. But trying to play this on my screen at home, I also found it frustrating uh, about the height thing. And now I'm kind of wondering if that was the problem I was having with shooting the fuel tanks and stuff. I mentioned in the field report, I may have mentioned it earlier in the episode before the break, that I thought maybe there was a hit detection problem with my cartridge. Now I'm wondering if it was just that I was flying too high at certain times and not actually hitting things. Um, I guess that's possible. Maybe I should try it again and, and make more of an effort to actually go down lower. The problem with that is the graphics are so limited, you can't really tell where you are, and I imagine I'm going to crash a lot. So I don't know. So maybe it's not fair to criticize. Maybe I'm, I'm uh, making excuses if I blame the hit detection or, or a problem with the cartridge. Uh, maybe I should play it again and give it another shot, uh, another chance. Uh, I don't know. It is kind of interesting looking. The space battle part, which was really the only fun part, in my experience this morning, could be a little bit cooler. Maybe put some stars in there and maybe a, a planet in the background or something. That'd be kind of cool. Um, there's supposed to be an asteroid field in play here. Maybe we could see some of those asteroids. That'd be neat. You know, flying over the enemy base part, uh, the objects are kind of weird. You got the fuel tanks and the alien head and uh, whatever those muffin things are. Uh, honestly, look at them on screen. They look like muffins. So I, I don't know. I, I was unimpressed. But, like I said, now I'm kind of feeling like maybe I just wasn't embracing the the height thing the way I should have. I feel like it would still be a frustrating game and sort of a letdown, but I might actually be able to score more points. Uh, which is really what it's all about, right? So, yeah. Not excited about the game, but willing to give it another chance. I guess that's where I'll come out on this. If you guys have thoughts about Zaxxon uh, or isometric what's-it, let me know. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. 
This week's story is titled, Zach's On. Uncle Terry never had any kids. None that you know of, right? Co-workers or acquaintances would occasionally say with a wink. Terry would smile and do a theatrical shrug. The truth was, there had never been a conscious decision not to have kids, but there also had never been a moment or a relationship or an event that compelled him to think, now I must procreate. It just worked out that way. So Uncle Terry never had any kids. Uncle Terry did, however, have siblings who loved to procreate, and six of those couplings had produced children. Brent, Raven, Cal, Lola, Tabitha, and Zach. And all of the kids worshipped Uncle Terry. For some, this could have been because their parents were crap, it must be said. But even the ones with good home lives thought Terry was awesome and preferred to hang with him. He was, in fact, a larger-than-life figure. Until he died, puncturing a hole in the theory that Terry was invincible. But before he died, he was charming and eccentric, intense and committed to, well, whatever he committed to in the moment. His job, his family, basket weaving, the art of circus clowning. In typical Terry fashion, his death was a future family story certain to grant him immortality. It involved shopping carts, a couple large cans of ravioli, roller skates, and yodeling. The immortality that comes from a great death story didn't sit well with everyone at the memorial service, however. No laughing, Brent muttered as he glanced at his clipboard. Terry's nephew, Brent, had appointed himself organizer of the memorial service, and he had a vision how it should go. In his mind, you don't laugh in a memorial service. You can't properly remember someone by laughing at him. As Brent's mom, Terry's sister, Colleen, took her seat, Brent, positioned behind the flowers, made a check mark on a sheet and nodded. Colleen had gone a little long, but not too bad. Next up was, ah, crap, Zach. Buckle up, everybody. Brent glanced around. Zach's on, he said. Where is he? Everyone else looked around, confirming the obvious. Zach wasn't here. Turd molecule, Brent said. How could his goofy cousin not show up for Uncle Terry's memorial service? Maybe he's just in the can. Raven, you go next. Raven somberly took her place at the podium. Uncle Terry, she began, pausing for the catch in her throat. Uncle Terry always said, Do good things and good things will do you. She paused. Of course, he also said, he likes big butts and he cannot lie. And the biggest butt is the good that fixes the bad. Like, I really screwed that up, but now here's how I'll fix it. Stuff like that. She smiled awkwardly and sat. Brent crossed out her name as she exited the stage, so to speak. Seriously, Zach's on, he hissed. Where the hell is he? Kel went next but he was too broken up to speak. He was the only kid his parents had, which was good because they sucked at raising kids. Terry was more like a brother to him than an uncle, and now Cal was effectively an only child again, even though he was a teenager. And that was awful. What was that? Brent hissed. He was supposed to do five minutes. If everyone doesn't fill their time, it's not... It's not... He trailed off. Official? Raven suggested. Brent tried the word on for size, decided it was good as any. Yeah, he said. It's not official. Terry's dead, whether we all dress up and make speeches or not. It's disrespectful, Brent said. Zach's always thinking only of himself. He turned to his cousins, Tabitha and Lola. You two, he said. Time for the sadness duet. Meanwhile, as this was all going on, an SUV rolled to a stop in front of a food bank downtown. Zach stepped lightly from the cab and went around back. He removed three large boxes of canned goods, and set them by the front door of the food bank. 
On top of the stack, he set one large can of ravioli and a note. From Terry, the note said. Roll on. Terry's mission completed, Zack started to get back in the van, only now remembering he forgot to wear roller skates. Sorry, Terry, he said aloud. He had a feeling Terry understood. He was good like that. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for creative commons use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme and the Jason Says Stuff theme. Don't forget to Zach's on over to Apple Podcasts. Okay, that didn't really work, but you know where to go. Go on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review of this show. In fact, wherever you like to get podcasts, leave a five-star review of this show, but particularly Apple Podcasts, because for some reason, doing so alters the, the path of the universe and helps people find this show. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, check us out on Instagram, which is not hugely active, but is kind of active. So you never know what you might find over there. You can also call me. I'm not going to answer the phone. Nothing personal. But you are free to leave me a message at 563-265-1978. About pretty much any damn thing you want. And there's a pretty good chance I'll play it on the show. Looking forward to hearing from you. Check out the website, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com. What are you going to find there? Porn. Mostly porn. Just kidding. You're going to find all sorts of stuff about things that I have done. Porn. Mostly porn. Kidding again. You can find information and show links and social media and stuff about this podcast, Atari Bytes, and about my other podcast, It's a podcast, Charlie Brown, a monthly deep dive into anything, and I mean anything, and everything related to the iconic Peanuts comic strip in all its forms. Newspaper comic strip, TV specials, movies, merchandise, socioeconomic, cultural impact stuff, stuff that's been inspired by Peanuts and Snoopy and Charlie Brown, etc., etc. We do commentaries reviews, discussions. We have lots of great guests um, from the world of Peanuts or who have been influenced by the world of Peanuts. Uh, It's just a really good show. If you've ever been a fan of Snoopy and company, it's a show for you. So go check that out. Um, The website also has links and information about books that I've written, like Hell's Serial, very short stories, fortified with essential syllables, and links to just some of the places that you can order those books. So, Thank you for checking that out and supporting the podcast and the other goofy things that I do. Speaking of goofy things that I do and supporting me, you can become a patron of this podcast by signing up on the Atari Bytes Patreon page, link in the show notes, to uh, to help keep the lights on here in the podcast studio. As a patron, depending on what level you're at, you may get stuff. You could, for example, get access to these episodes early. Instead of just hearing them every other Sunday, you could hear them sometime earlier in the week. You might also, depending on what level you're at, you might also get bonus stuff, like uh, videos of the field report 
that we do every episode, um, as well as occasional other things that I think up and throw there up there on the Patreon just for the uh, supporters. Um, you can also, at the $4 per month level, um, get the ability to help program this show by suggesting games that I should do. Like, for example, when my nemesis, Patrick McCarthy, suggested that I play Porky's, which the best thing you can say about it is that it features an Atari rendering of a naked woman in the shower. That is the greatest thing you can say about that game. So if you would like to torture me by suggesting weird games for me to play, subscribe to the $4 level each month and you might get that chance. You also, as a patron, can hang out with these gorgeous people, including Michael Tyler, Jose Gazeta, Sean Courtney, M. West, Patrick McCarthy, Jeremy L., and Jason Schiffman, all of whom need parental supervision. So I thank you for that, and I thank all of them for supporting the show. All right, we're just about out of here. All that's left is to tell you next time on Atari Bytes. By the time you hear the next episode, it will be Olympics time. Dun, 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 dun. So, in honor of that, we're going to be playing Decathlon. So, I have already put on my jockstrap, and I am doing my stretches, and I suggest you do the same. And we will be running the Decathlon next week. Now I just need to find my shot put. So, until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.